0: Hello, I'm Javad I'm the Executive Medical Director at East Lanx. And it's a pleasure to bring you all to the first podcast on clinical strategy. There are going to be a number of podcasts on this, uh, but we are kick our first uh, interactive session with our colleagues who have been a part of helping design the clinical strategy for ELHT. So with that, um, I'm going to introduce you to colleagues who've joined the podcast today. Uh, our Chief Nurse, who you well know, Chris Douglas. Uh, we have Jane Pemberton, who is the Divisional Director of Nursing for Community and Intermediate Care, and Charles Thompson, who is not only an a and consultant, but he's the Divisional Medical Director for Medicine and Emergency Care. And what we are going to talk about today is one part of that clinical strategy and that is hospital without walls and you may wonder how bizarre that sentence is a hospital without walls guess what this is what the future of the healthcare delivery is because so far and traditionally we have very much lived in silo by dividing the healthcare into boxes that's not what a patient when they first present to anywhere in the health system is and we have to take away those divisions between primary care and secondary care and intermediate care and social care and all that. So our strategy has a strong focus on how does the hospital works without these physical walls. So we'll start on that. There is a. I'm sure quite a bit of interest of what this is and hence it would be worth bringing in Jane Pemberton and Chris Douglas first of all to hear from them. What do they think about this concept and how has it worked uh, in their specialism? So Jane.
1: Okay, thank you. So I think we've been working towards the hospital without walls for many years. So I'd like to give you some examples of that if I can. Um, If you look at the book of a life of any person, you know, if you go through the chapters, you've got, you know, school, growing up, adulthood, etc. The most of that chapters in those books is all a home with your family, your loved ones um, and only a small proportion of that will be hopefully within a hospital setting. And so with that in mind, we're very much at East Lancashire over the past um, few years in particular, I've been focusing on how we can deliver that care at home for our patients, keeping them with their families, with their loved ones, keeping them fit and well and in work um, for as long as possible. Um, So the things we were working on was um, Home First, um, our district nursing services delivering prompt complex care out in the community, particularly focusing around um, people that were unfortunately coming towards the end of their lives and about supporting them and their families during that period. But then during COVID this has really um, gained some progress as well. And I think because of the fantastic work we've done in East Lancashire with our clinical teams being dynamic and forward thinking, we were able to move at real pace with that. And so we were able to expand our virtual ward, which we've had for a good few number of years now, to pick up COVID virtual ward, which was monitoring patients at home. And we've managed to um, have a real impact on that, keep a lot of people safe and well at home. And we won a HSJ award for that as well. So we're really, you know, that's really great for our clinical teams. I think the success of that, I think when we sat down to write the clinical strategy as a team of of clinicians and operational leaders across the organisation, it gave us the confidence to look at, okay, hospital without walls, how can we provide even more of this care out in the community? And so with our um, consultant colleagues in MEC in particular, we are making those steps around heart failure, and other conditions where we can bring more acutely unwell patients out in the community. And with a multidisciplinary team, we can support patients to be at home much earlier than they would be um, usually um, and have them at home where where they want to be, but keep that safety wrapped around them. So I think um, that plus the government's focus now on a two hour agent response. We were delivering that in a lot of services already, but now we are very much focusing and developing our services even more so that we can admission avoidance so patients don't even have to come into hospital. We can respond, treat with our interface consultants again, and keep them at home safe and well. We're also doing that with our primary social care and our was colleagues as well. I'll pause there because I could go on and on and on about it. Yeah, so.
0: no, no, thank you very much, Jane. I think it, it's very pertinent to what you have said in the sense that we all know. Our patients are at the center of what we deliver and care. And one of the important things in the days gone by, especially in hospital setting, used to be right patient, right ward. But in the broader sense of healthcare, it's about the right patient, the right treatment, the right time, and the right place. We have to take away the word ward, it's the right place. And in our experience as a clinician, we know that whenever the patient is well out of their acute episode, the first question they ask us on a ward round is, "When can I go home doctor? Uh, and we well know many a times, unfortunately, they are held back in hospital, which then leads to deconditioning. And the reason for holding back is because at times the services are not joined up. And that's where we are working towards. in. In line with the NHS long-term plan that we need to deliver the healthcare at the right place. And as you very rightly said, most of the time it's the home or settings outside of the hospital. It's intermediate care. It's wherever the patient is comfortable. And we are comfortable in delivering those interventions. And that's what we are working on. Um, Chris, on to you.
2: Yeah, just a couple of points to add on that. So um, I just want to echo really around the patient being at the centre and the family and carers also, because to realise our ambitions, we have to put the the patient foremost and centre at this because we can't deliver any care without their input and their involvement and i think they're crucial to how we ensure that we can realize our ambitions within the strategy i suppose the other point for me is um the strategy looks really good with with what we've got so far and what it says to me is to deliver these goals and achieve this ambition over the next five years we need a really strong workforce, a strong workforce plan to ensure that we can uh, sit here in five years' time and say we met those ambitions, we achieved those goals and we brought about a change in the way in which we deliver care in East Lancashire as a system. So it'll be around working with our system partners and I see the patients and the carers as part of that system-wide thinking. But it might be around how we deliver roles for the future because it might not be um, the roles that we, we see today and we think, uh, we'll do the same, more of the same. It might be that new roles uh, will emerge throughout the life of the strategy to ensure that we can deliver that right care in the right place, and that we've got the, the, the workforce with the right skills to deliver that. And that will be really important because we also want to attract people to work within the Lancashire and South Cumbria area, and particularly in the place area that we're talking about of of Pennine Lancashire so what will attract the clinicians to come to work with the uh, the patients and the public within this area so I think there's some exciting uh, opportunities in here around how we ensure that we develop a workforce that can help us knock down those walls and and build the hospital without walls if you like
0: Yeah, very well said, Chris. Thank you. And one of the things which I did forget to mention and should have early on that this clinical strategy that we have developed is not in isolation. It has been a collaborative work of input from all colleagues in ELHT, but it's just not all colleagues in ELHT with the in their respective departments. It has also been now opened up for the partners which Chrissy alluded to who form a part of the delivery of care mechanism for our patients so we've opened up to hearing from what our partners say so that this clinical strategy which is going to be the bedrock and the cornerstone for the ELSD strategic view and vision is fit for purpose for for five years at least um so Talking about involvement of all colleagues, and we've talked about the hospital without walls. Um I need to bring in Charles, who wears two hats. One is his role as an AE clinician, who's right at the cold face of delivery of the front end of the hospital, but also as a divisional medical director for medicine and emergency care. Um, And they have a big input into what level of or high level of excellence that we are aspiring to deliver of the timely care. And as we are all talking about the right care at the right place. So Charles, your views on how you see the next few years in in coming through. And just before you give your views on one of the things again, I want to emphasize is what Chris has mentioned. That blended workforce, we are moving away in NHS as just about oh doctors deliver this care or nurses can do it or such a such body. It is about blended workforce which will deliver the care at the right time to the patients. Could be an allied health professional, could be a doctor, could be a nurse, could be anybody who is skilled. To have that input, and that work is being shown by our colleagues in the community, as what Jane has initially described, the care at home and um, all that. So, Charles, thanks, Jawad. Perhaps I—I I should start with the with the
3: emergency department. It's it's often described as the as the front door of the hospital. It's it's an interesting uh, visual. This a front door with no walls, and I perhaps like to assure people that a hospital without walls doesn't mean that our waiting room is going to be very cold. But it is something that means a great deal to me. I think sitting at that front door of the hospital, looking out towards the community, looking inwards towards the the traditional uh, hospital building, hospital without walls is very meaningful. I hear an awful lot throughout the last uh, many years about distinction between primary care. This is a primary care problem. This is a secondary care problem. Um, We should avoid admissions. Which organization is responsible for this? Which building should the patient be cared for in? Um, But both Chris and uh, Jane and Jawad all mentioned, actually the question is about the patient. From a patient's point of view, they don't really care what organisation, they don't really care what building they're in. What they want is the most effective care for themselves or indeed for their loved one or their family. And that's where I think Hospital Without Walls is coming in. It's about putting the patient right at the centre of uh, of our decision-making. It's about a seamless transition. It's about making sure that, as uh, as Joward said, care is in the right place. Now, sometimes the right place is in the patient's house. Sometimes it's in the hospital because overwhelmingly we're not going to be able to drive x-ray machines round to people's houses or uh, to the roadside to answer the question of whether they've got a broken ankle or something. To be fair, some areas have tried that, I believe in Germany somewhere they have an articulated lorry with a CT scanner around uh, in the back that they drive around to, to stroke patients. But actually it's not a realistic model. And here what we need to be doing is thinking about where is the best place. To deliver the care to the patient and that's something that I've been watching ELHT develop over, over the course of a few years. We're very lucky in being an integrated provider of both community and hospital care and I think that's, that's taken us a long way into breaking down some of these barriers and I think it's that that as Jane uh, said, we're beginning to be able to, to build on. And in fact, the COVID pandemic with the virtual ward has really pushed that to be able to see how effective it is to have that seamless hospital and community service. We've recently, for example, appointed um, one of our first interface consultants who works on acute medicine in the acute medical unit, which is traditionally where many of the patients that we admitted through the emergency department went, who also works in that virtual ward. So now we've got people sitting both sides of that front door, or the same person sitting both sides of, of that front door and able to deliver care to the patient, putting the patient first in the right place. So I I think this is really very exciting. Um, We're still some way from completing that process, but hopefully the five-year strategy will see us be able to develop that. So what about within the building? Um, Because that's also part of the strategy that, that we've mentioned, and if it's okay, the other, tagline in our strategy is to ensure a first-class emergency service. Now that is both looking outwards and delivering some of that first-class emergency service in the community, making sure that a patient who arrives perhaps by ambulance because they've fallen and maybe injured themselves can have an efficient initial assessment in the emergency department, which will be the best place to do that potentially, but then If the problem is perhaps frequent falls or worries about the fact that they're unsteady, they get swiftly discharged back home where the community services are able to pick them up and see what what they will need, diagnose problems, see how they're coping at home and and manage that way. Contrary-wise, if, for example, it turns out that the person has in fact fractured their hip, or has a medical problem that's caused them to, a significant medical problem that's caused them to fall over, then they need to be efficiently admitted into the the hospital. And one of the other key things for for the emergency department is that ability to flow out and as I say, that's both to the community, but also into inpatient beds where that is the best place for the patient. And I think it's important that we look towards uh, over the next five years, ensuring that our inpatient services are also effective and able to deliver for the patient.
0: No, thank you. I think a quite comprehensive explanation and introduction, Charles, to, to, to what happens at the front door of the hospital, as so-called, and obviously what's happening inside. Now, one of the things and concepts and stuff central to the clinical strategy, as we talked about, patient is at the centre of it. But we also have to recognise that not only patient is at the centre of it, patient has to have an ownership of how things are managed. Now, again, historically, traditionally, and you, you probably have heard doctors knows its best. Well, yeah, maybe in the carry on series and Sir Lancelot would say, you know, yeah, I can tell you, as you know, we have moved far, far away from that concept. And we have to recognize that the best person who knows what's happening to their body and soul is the patient. And they they are the ones who help us in helping them, if you know what I mean. So we need to give that authority and autonomy to the patients to be able to manage their chronic conditions. Hospitals are the right place for a patient when they suffer from, God forbid, accidents or emergencies or in a situation where the disease has progressed so badly that they need to be in. But believe me, a lot of sort of end results we are seeing in hospitals is due to the chronic conditions probably not being managed as well as it should be. And hence with this concept of hospital without the wall comes that element of education and training of individuals, all including patients. So this will be also part of that strategy where we we help empower people manage their own health issues and you will hear that hopefully from our other specialist, which will be later on part of that podcast. Charles, just on the same day, emergency care, how is that going to help with the hospital without walls or the sort of a new way of managing emergencies or urgent clinical conditions? Thanks, yes, I,
3: I should perhaps have mentioned the uh, same-day emergency care earlier, there's, there's just too much exciting stuff that's happened over the last five years. Um, but same-day emergency care has actually been a very important part of our strategy over the last few years. The, the medical ambulatory emergency care unit has uh, has gone from strength to strength. Um, and was part of a a capital development just before COVID, I think. The now sees many, many patients uh, each each day, and the aim there is the same. It's about getting care around the patient in the right place. So people come from hospital, but where they only need a a short length of stay, a same day they're able to get round, Uh, the aim is to deliver the care that they need and get people back home in the same day so we have the same day emergency care units and that's uh now the medical ambulatory care unit and the surgical ambulatory care unit but in addition to that we also have the uh the older person's rapid assessment area that was uh, unfortunately we had difficulty running that in its usual form during the covid pandemic which was a huge shame but now that uh, now that we're getting to the end of the COVID pandemic and looking forward, the older person's rapid assessment is again an area where we're intending to uh, to develop and support that same-day emergency care. And I think on the subject of, of older people, um, possibly unsurprisingly, older people, and as Jawad mentioned, the chronically ill, are much of our workload in medicine and it's particularly important for that group that we get the care right. I think they're a a group that can really be harmed by over-medicalizing, particularly where they don't want to. Uh, There is a change in mindset, which is that many years ago, I think we might be considering medicine as where we were aiming to cure people. So it was young people, perhaps with infectious disease, where our aim was cure. That's not the model for management of chronic disease. And we're seeing people with with more and more chronic diseases that we are managing. But over time, those people's chronic diseases, despite the best management, may well deteriorate. And at some point, we need to be having challenging conversations and be thinking about that and involving the patient in what do they want? Staying in hospital for, huge lengths of time is not going to make them better. In many cases, it may make people worse. It may harm their quality of life. And again, we have to think of the the patient-centered. What would make this patient's life better? What do they want? And in many cases, as Jawad was saying at the beginning, the patients are asking, Can I go home? And we need to be working with them to achieve that. And again, it's hospital without walls, patient centered care. Jane, I'm sure you want to have something to say about that. Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay. Would be yeah. worth hearing from Jane about this, along with that anticipatory preventative care.
1: Thank you. So as part of the Ageing Well agenda, it's very much looking at place-based levels, so that is communities, neighbourhoods where, um, as I said before, health and social care, primary and community services, we're all working together also with the private sector looking at how we can do public health together, how we can do preventative medicine. Um, But at the same time, Also think about, like um, Charles says, unfortunately, as we age, um, conditions do appear. So it's about how as we age well, we can self manage those conditions to the best of our ability, keeping us at home. And if we do have to come into hospital, making sure we're not there very long and we're coming back home again. So some of the work we're also doing at Base is looking at frailty and that links into our colleagues again within MEC about looking at the opera unit and the ED departments about, OK, how can we deliver those services together so that, again, that's a short stay for a patient if it's required. We're also doing a lot of anticipatory care with patients with long term conditions, again with our colleagues out in place based care about self management. But also, like Charles has said, you know, unfortunately, sometimes that long term condition will be life limiting at some point. And so then we do um, have to have a management plan in when the end of life does come and how we can ensure we keep keep someone at home, Anticipatory care, just to give some background to that, it's about anticipating um, long term condition pathways and about how we can support people to be in their own homes with those long term conditions. The other um, work we're doing around this is care homes, because a lot of our community does go on to live in a care home. And so it's about how we can support those patients because that's their own home as well and keeping them safe and well there having plans to keep them there and if they do become unwell, how we can treat them in that environment as well. Some of the success we've had around that is in the falls. So we've used telemedicine, we link into our ICAT services within the community setting and we give them that support and visit those patients. And we've had a big reduction in admissions to hospital on the back of that, which is great.
0: Yeah, well, thank you, and I think good example to um, explain and give an idea of what all this is. So, Charles. Um,
3: yeah, can can I was hoping just to jump in there because actually, what Jane was saying there about the about the care planning is incredibly important to us in in the emergency department. And some patients who have chronic illness, it it, it is it can be very difficult in the in the emergency department when someone who looks very ill but may actually always look quite ill, comes in with an acute problem. That's what's going to make our digital strategy uh, over the next few years critically important as well. I think the, the elanks and the other digital parts of our strategy is going to be incredibly important for information sharing and making sure that clinicians and carers have information at their fingertips to best understand a patient, know what they want and be able to deliver the care. And I think that's going to be one of those enabling areas that is going to uh, really permeate all other parts of our clinical strategy over the next five years.
0: That's great. Thanks very much, Charles. And what you've alluded to leads a good segue into my wrapping up this conversation today very important discussion, the first of the um, podcasts on our clinical strategy, where as you've heard how various other facets of clinical teams input will fit into it, but also how other strategies within the organization and Charles alluded to that digital strategy will fit into. So clinical strategy on its own can and will not succeed unless supported by other strategies and that's important but we work as a system we work with our partners and by joining up we will be able to deliver so I hope colleagues have explained to you enough about the first elements of what hospital without walls is what our urgent and emergency care pathway and strategy is. Uh, We will bring other clinical teams in due course to have more podcasts and to explain what the clinical strategy for ELHD, but in fairness for the system, will deliver. So a big thanks to Chris, Jane and Charles for their contributions. Um, Just a final word that our clinical strategy is on our website. So if you want to access it, please do so. It is still in the process of getting refined because we do want comments from our partners so that once it's final you will see that version, but at the moment it's still available. So a big thank you to the participants and thank you for hearing out of what we are saying do join us for the next podcast which we will advertise soon of when it's happening. Bye for now.